This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and you're listening to the London, the London is Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. As always, your host, Brandon, joining with host, Nick. No damn, because, Nick, it is an early morning pod. What does that mean? Well, it, it means that we're likely doing something uh, with, a, with a friend from, from the UK. It's likely that we're going to be talking about transfers, and it's, it's likely 6 a.m. for Dan. So we're, we're letting him off the hook for this one. It's, it's true. So we've got Adam Newsom. Joining us, football.london, uh, new best mate after we got to hang out in the States, <laughs> got some good FaceTime, you joined a couple live pods, and uh, yeah, we thought we'd bring you on for a little transfer rendezvous, How, what do you think? Yeah, no, thanks for having me on, guys, uh, I'm really looking forward to it. Oh, it'll, it'll be good. Uh, look, obviously, we're going to talk about all the latest news regarding incomings and outgoings. Um, we just, there's so much kind of fluidity, what's happening, a, a very much a flurry at the end here, Nick. So, um, but before that, the, everyone got, well, not everyone, but a lot of people got invited to an open training session at Stanford bridge, which thankfully Nick, it looked like some, some very beautiful weather for the occasion. Yeah. Finally cooled off a bit over there, Adam. And, uh, look, uh, you went to this, can you kind of describe a couple of things for us, like what the general mood was and any kind of broad observations you made through open training sessions? Yeah, I mean, it was. It did feel a bit strange. I'm not sure if it was just a bit of a hangover from Leeds at the weekend, um, but it did feel a bit flat. Uh, you know, Tuchel was asked at the very start to to give a few words and he took that very literally. Uh, he probably, you know, a sentence and that was it um so yeah it was it was quite a light session um you know two days after a game I don't think that's a huge surprise especially as uh, the players did have Monday off so this was the first time they were all back together so maybe that does explain it you know after Leeds um but training wise there wasn't probably too much to take away from it beyond the fact that Mateo Kovacic was was back involved which was a sight that I think everyone was was pleased with um Khalid Koulibaly was introduced at the beginning, um, along with the rest of the players in this bizarre sort of smoke. I can't really explain what it was, but they all entered through this thing and, and the smoke went off and it was a couple who did not really enjoy it, I don't think. Um, but he was there, but then he didn't undertake the session. Um, maybe that's because he's got a knock or, or you know, just the fact he's not actually going to play against against Leicester perhaps. Um, and probably the other noteworthy thing was after about 40 minutes or so, Thiago stepped away from the session as well. Um, again, maybe that's just that 37 years old, nearly 38, you, you're not going to push yourself. You can go back in early, have a massage. Um, but if it's anything more than that, then you're looking at the weekend, weekend game and, and wondering perhaps who's going to be playing at centre-back. I think, uh, <laughs> interesting. Uh, I would like to think, Nick, that they my work would give me uh, a shortened day and a massage at the end of it just to make sure I'm prepped and ready for my next day of of excelling, but it's just I haven't been offered that yet. Yeah, I mean, did it did it look like he limped off, or did it look like he walked off? <laughs> I guess is the question, Adam. <laughs> it looked like he walked off. Um, that's why I'm not I'm not overly concerned. Um, yeah, and you know, Tiago knows his body at this point. He knows how to manage himself. So, yeah, I'm not overly concerned. But uh, it was. A little bit uh, concerning by the fact I was looking around by the end of the session and I was going, well, we've only got Trev Chalaber and Aspi now, as and, and Ethan Amper do, I guess, to an extent, as the centre-backs in this training session. Um, so maybe we could do with 
signing one. Well, let's go ahead and use that professional transition to talk about signing <laughs> one as we've got uh, Wesley Fafana. Uh, what do we do here? Leicester City's Brendan Rodgers has indicated that they've received, can confirm, letter has been received and immediately tossed in the bin. A third Chelsea bid for Fafana potentially on its way, maybe a fourth, fifth. We're not really sure. It's a bit of a, a non-factor at this point how many have been in there, but Clearly, Leicester's not changed, never for sale um, kind of stance is softened. He's apparently training with the under-23s. Um, things have definitely changed as far as like how I think Leicester City are approaching this one. Yeah, 100%. Um, and at this point, really, you know, the fact that Rodgers is openly saying that he wants to go, there's a deal to be done, basically, is is very encouraging for Chelsea. I think there was was some surprise with this third bid, um, which you know did come out come out sort of yesterday, uh, which would be what Tuesday as we're recording. It did sound like it went in a, a couple of days before and, and was say swiftly tossed away by by Leicester. But I think Chelsea were basically going in there with with this bid of around seventy million, on the hope that look Fafana isn't playing for you guys anymore. He's he's you know had a conversation with Rogers. He doesn't want to play. Is really not benefiting you anymore by dragging this out. So let's just let's try this bid of seventy million. It's good money. Go and take it. You know, we'll, we'll give you a little bit more up front than we maybe we're going to. Um, and there was that hope that maybe that Leicester would turn around and go, yeah, fine. We, we've we've dragged this on long enough. Unfortunately, not. Um, Leicester, as you say, rejected the offer. So it's very much on Chelsea now to to go back. If they go up toward that eighty million pound mark, I mean, I can't see it not not going through. I'm still, and I always hesitate whenever we talk about transfers, but I'm confident it will happen because, as I said, at this point, it is really not benefiting any party. I mean, Chelsea need a centre-back. Um, Leicester have a player who doesn't want to be at the club and Fafana sitting around um, from the stands watching games. So it's a deal that, say, now makes sense for every party involved and it's just whether or not Chelsea are going to go up to the, the fee Leicester want and I think given the the time frame we've got left, you know, there's a little bit more than a week left the window. Chelsea haven't seemingly really invested any time in in trying to swell an alternative for for this. Um, so I think it makes sense to just get it all wrapped up fairly soon. Whether or not Leicester would be willing to do that before the weekend is probably unlikely, I would say. Maybe we'll get it done early next week. I, I guess a, a question for you, right? Like, in, in these situations, when the player has basically given away your leverage in a way, right? Like you're not <laughs> utilizing the player against Chelsea because you, you've sent him to train with the U23s. Admittedly, it's a tough look for Fafana, but I mean, it's what I think players have to do these days to get moves when they're on the table, right? Um, it's It's basically everything that Declan Rice won't do at West Ham, right? Uh, so you you have this thing happening. You have Chelsea going, okay, well, I mean, he's, he's kind of screwed himself a little bit if he doesn't get the move, right? Because it's really, it's a bad look to come back from in a locker room to go like, oh, no, I'm back, guys. Now that the move didn't happen, I'm really committed to the team. Like, shouldn't that reduce the cost for Chelsea? Like, I, I don't, I, it just is a little, it's a bit of an odd one because we, we rarely have the opposition player do that for us. It's usually uh, the other way around. I mean, it, it, in theory, yes, but 
I think Leicester have been so firm on what they want this summer that there may be a little bit of wiggle room at this point on it. But I think Chelsea do have to just get closer to that £80 million mark. And until they do, Leicester will stand firm. It, yeah, Fafana's put himself in an incredibly difficult position if the move doesn't now happen, as you say, because he hasn't turned up for a day of training. Um, he has now been sent to trade with the 23s. Obviously, there's, there's, I would say, 0.01% chance he actually plays against Chelsea at the weekend if the deal isn't done. Um, so, yeah, he's in a tough position now. Um, and that's why I just think it's it's really it is in Leicester's interest. It's in Fafana's interest. And, of course, it's in Chelsea's interest um, to get this done because they've wanted a centre-back for most of the summer or another one. Um, and they've gone through a fair different amount of players and they finally got to one who seemingly the club have long had eyes on and is, you know, approved by Tuchel. So, yeah, just uh, just get it done now, I think, for everyone's sake, because I think we're all probably a bit sick of waking up every day and <laughs> seeing what the latest sort of macro update is on it. Yeah, and I guess there's another piece to this puzzle, right, Adam, and that's the impact to uh, last season's kind of pleasant surprise, and that's Trev Chalaba, who hasn't featured this season, who doesn't necessarily look, Close to featuring, I guess maybe the Koulibaly injury changes that at the weekend, but you'd still probably anticipate that Aspie plays. Um, what's your what's your thought on Chalba? Assuming that Chelsea do sign Fafana. Trevo's going to score this weekend. Since I'm on a hot streak of predictions, it's just there you go. it's exactly like building up for this. He's going to come in and play. I bet Adam and score another goal, and then it's like shit. What do we do with Trevo? Hopefully, hopefully not send um, him back on the Leicester City bus. <laughs> I mean, I'd quite enjoy that if that was to happen. Um, yeah, it's, it's. I feel do feel a bit sorry for for Trev Chalaba because, as you say, he was the breakout star for Chelsea last season. Very, very accomplished first half of that season. Got an injury and then probably didn't feature as much as he would have wanted um, in the second half. And you kind of felt this summer with. Uh, Antonio Rudiger moving on with Christensen going as well. You, you, there was an opportunity there for Trev to really step in and, and become an established player in this side. And for whatever reason, and I think that's probably it, it has shades of the Tamori Lampard situation that took all seemingly has gone off Trevor a little bit, and it's not actually too clear why um, beyond the fact he maybe made uh, a couple of errors in games, but that wasn't exclusively him at the back end of last season at all. Um, so yeah, he's he. I imagine he's looking at it going, okay, behind Aspi, Reese is now starting a right centre back ahead of me as well. Fafana might be coming in. Yes, there's there's something I have to look at here. And by the sound of it, he's got a lot of um, he's got a lot of different offers on the table. Um, there's Premier League interest. There's uh, Syria interest. There's a Bundesliga club involved as well. Um, I've been told Romelu Lukaku, I think now may have put this out as well, is is been pushing Inter to go and get Trev um, just to complete his villain arc uh, where he's now trying to take players from Chelsea as well. God, that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> so I think uh, I think it's going to come down to Trev. And we know Trevor's, you know, it was his dream. You saw the reaction to scoring against Palace last season. It's been his dream to play for Chelsea. Um, it's, it's just how strong that remains at this point, I guess, and how much he really wants to fight or, or whether or not he feels that he'd maybe be fighting a losing battle and it is, it is time to step away and 
And look, if that's the conclusion that he eventually does come to in this last week, then he's uh, he's he's not shy of interest if, if Chelsea are going to sanction it. All right. Um, uh, obviously, well, nothing's going to happen this weekend. We're also recording on Wednesday. They We play each other. So to your point, Adam, everything will push next week. But Anthony Gordon, the wildest actual transfer link of the window, question mark, uh, out of left field, right field, and center field for all the L.A. Dodgers baseball analogies. Um Apparently, the player wants to come, unsurprisingly. Uh, Chelsea apparently seemed to rate him extremely high. Everton want crazy money for him. So how do we understand this kind of transfer target, maybe from a Chelsea, um, uh, what do you want to say, like philosophy or strategy this window, if you can even kind kind of pin that down? And then like... Do you think Chelsea are really willing to go to 50, 60 million for Anthony Gordon? They seem to be willing to go to 50, 60. Um, Everton have so far resisted. Um, I've, you know, we were talking before this, and I don't quite understand the interest in terms of why Chelsea are going so big on Anthony Gordon um, beyond the fact, from what I can gather, that this is a guy that Thomas took all likes and thinks is a is a sort of young talent that he can coach on um that's all well and good uh and it's another sign of Chelsea trying to really give Tuchel what he wants and trying to show um that they're really behind him um obviously that there's the other sign of that is that they already in talks with a new contract with, with Tuchel as well so they are trying to give him what he wants give him that support give him that trust but for me I mean just looking at objectively I don't quite understand why um, Chelsea are, for instance, sanctioning a loan department, a loan move for Callum Hudson-Odoi when he's three and a half months old and Nancy Gordon, who they're going to spend £60 million, or potentially spend £60 million on if they can come to an agreement with Everton. Um, that's probably the part that I don't quite understand um, because whether or not you, you rate Callum, there's definitely a player there um, that you could give minutes to, you could give trust to, um, but it seems as though, for whatever reason, Tuchel doesn't want to do that. He'd rather go and, and get Anthony Gordon, or at least try and get Anthony Gordon in, in the next few days of the window. Nick? If you're looking at all the heat maps, if you're looking at the stats, I mean, obviously it's a young player that doesn't have the most top-level experience quite yet. So it's like hard to purely judge you know, do like kind of an apples to apples numbers comparison to someone who is more seasoned and who's been around uh, the block a little bit more. But I I am not 100% sure what this signing adds to the attack that we don't already currently possess, let alone what you could do to kind of diversify that pool uh, with, with other types of signings, Adam. So like... Is there anything that you've heard along the way that's like, this is the reason why Chelsea are so hot on this potential signing other than he's a hustler? I, I, that's the one thing I've consistently heard is that he's like a phenomenal athlete and can run for days and can press. Like that's the, the one thing I've heard, which is like tough to settle on. Yeah. I was, I was literally just about to reply. Well, yeah. He's a very hard running guy. Um, I think I think I saw a stat earlier today. You know, in terms of off the ball runs, he's up there in in the top five in the Premier League so far this season, alongside actually Kai Havertz and Raheem Sterling. I think it was as well. So he he 
fits into Tuckle's philosophy of, you know, you work hard, you, you do depressing. You, he's got to say he's a great athlete. It's been sort of half suggested maybe he's a, a future wing back under Tuckle because of that. Um, I'm not entirely sure I would buy into that, to be honest, but maybe, you know, well, definitely Thomas Tuckle knows more about football than I do and Tottenham supposedly interested. So maybe there is an element of, of playing wing back there. Um, but for me, I don't think for the money, he he's a huge upgrade on what Chelsea already have in those attacking positions. And I think that's sort of the issue I would have with it. Um, but as I said, this is Chelsea going hard again with Tuchel, showing that they really value his uh, uh, his ideas and, and they want to try and you know commit to him and give him what he wants. And look, if Anthony Gordon arrives, I'm sure we'll all back him and, and I hope he does, does sort of fulfil that potential. Um, but you kind of look at the other areas in the squad at the moment, you do think it, that money would perhaps be best off going towards maybe a, a midfielder or or maybe just giving less to 10 million more for Wesley Fafana. <laughs> so, okay. I, you know, Dan loves the stat. He's got more yellow cards and goals. Um, you know, Phil at Chelsea Youth, he had some good tweets about this, like he, you know, does it, to your point, Adam. All right, so let's say Chelsea bring in Anthony Gordon for 60. You know, Matt Law said, oh, well, we they think they can maybe double his value. But the thing is, like, European clubs don't really buy English talent, like just saying. And so if he's because we pay the most wages out of any other league in, in, in the world. So if you double his value, you then have to sell to a Man City or Liverpool or a domestic rival, which why would you build up a player, double his value and his value doubles because he's great and then sell to a rival. So now you're back to square one that you invested all this stuff, built up this player, and now there's no market. And realistically, you probably don't want to sell him because he is great. And it's the same thing. Callum hudson Odoi and him, like it just seems so comparable. If you're going to invest in a player, invest in Callum. Like actually give him the love, put the arm around him, and go splash that cash on other players. Like you guys just said, you know, like just go get other deals done. They're just so much more immediate. It must just be that Todd says, hey, open checkbook, go do whatever you think you need to do. I was looking at FB ref and kind of his player radar. It's true. Like he, he he's great at pressuring, great at tackling, great at interceptions, great at blocking. But it, when we want from our attackers and wingers is like a goal threat right now because we're struggling. He doesn't bring that. So again, we're back to not solving a problem that we very much have uh, in that sense. And like, Tuchel will probably end up making him play wing back anyway, so <laughs> I'm not sure how this will end, but it's been quite weird. Uh, so anyways, we're going to get to Hudson Roy, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick ad break. So again, thank you to the sponsors for financially supporting the show. And we're back. Calm to Germany, question mark. Here we go. All right, our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking AG1 because, well... It's hard to get a lot of micronutrients in. You know, we're all focused on our macros with protein, carbs, and, and fat. And now we got to add the micronutrients from fruits and vegetables. It's just hard to eat that many servings a day. So uh, I started doing it just to make my life a lot more efficient. I'm getting better gut health and a more uh, durable, resistant immune system. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food, sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help you start your day right this special blend of ingredients supports your gut health your nervous system your immune system your energy recovery focus and aging all of the things again i do it it's easy it's fast it's quick uh, i throw up my shaker usually on my way home from work drink it 
it it goes down quickly. Uh, and like I said, you get six servings of vegetables a day very easily. Uh, but hey, don't listen to me. Athletic Greens has over 7,000 five-star reviews. It's recommended by professional athletes and is trusted by leading health experts such as Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais. So right now it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills, supplements to look out for your gut health. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to say give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue. Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash London is blue to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. All right. Nick, you've been a big Callum fan, I think, just supporter, probably in general, high hopes for him. You know, uh, at the same time, you haven't really been impressed with him in preseason when I was trying to lavish some praise. So it, it sounds like he still has interest on the continent, potentially Germany. I guess, like, what do you kind of make of his position in the team? Or maybe, you know, as we just talked about Anthony or Anthony Gordon, what, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if I've, been Callum's like most ardent supporter over the years, but like certainly in within the context of spending crazy money when you have what I think is a better player in the team, I, I don't think that makes a whole lot of sense. And you could probably say the same for Pulisic as well, like in this regard. Um Callum is in an interesting spot. You know, he came in to preseason with all this hype. You know, he had changed his body over the preseason. And frankly, it, it did look like there was significant uh, improvement done to his strength and conditioning and stuff like that. And then you watched him play in the preseason in the States, Adam, and it just he looked kind of listless out there. Like there, the runs in behind weren't there. The, the crossing wasn't there. It didn't look like he was on the same page with any of the other attackers. And... I just I didn't really understand what had happened because, you know, before he got hurt last year, you know, I mean, the game he played against Juventus at home was phenomenal. Like he was such a driving force in that game and was really rounding into like, oh, man, is this going to be at 20 years old? Is this going to be the Cal Monson-Odoi that we see, you know, the rest of his career? Like is is this left wing position kind of his to own? So now we are seeing links to Leverkusen links to other European sides as a loan. Is this just simply so that he can get out of his own head at Chelsea or what's the, what's the real motive here? Yeah. I say, I remember, and you say, you know, Callum was so highly regarded um, when he was in the sort of the, the youth team, but in those early months in the first game as well, I mean, you guys will know having watched the Academy that one of the most sort of exhilarating things about Callum was as soon as he got the ball, his first idea was to go at the defender. Had very little respect for whoever he was up against. It was just felt like a case of, I know I'm better than you, so I'm just going to go at you and go past you. And obviously injuries have happened and and he's not had that next step that you'd really want him to have. And and it is a shame, you know, watching him in pre-season, you know, he gets the ball and he sort of stops. And assesses and then goes back and you're just looking there going no come on Callum just go just go at him and I think that's what this loan 
um, what this loan move uh, is going to do for him. Uh, you you need Callum to play 25, 30 games. You need him to get that confidence back in himself. You need him to, to be able to go out and back himself. Um, Leverkusen does seem the destination. Um, it's sort of stepped up over the last few few days. There's been a lot of offers on the table for him from clubs in the Premier League, uh, from other clubs abroad. Um, but I think the Bundesliga is probably the sort of good level of chaos that you need as an attacking player. Um, if you're if you're very talented like Callum is, you can go out there and, and hopefully regain that confidence. I would quite like the idea of a, a Leverkusen front three of uh, Musa Diabli, uh, for Florian Wirtz and um, and Callum. Um, whether or not that actually comes to fruition, I don't know because I think Newcastle is with Diaby. But um, but yeah, it's uh, it's a, I think it will be a good move for him. Um, whether or not it changes anything, I'm not really sure. I mean. There have been some sort of noises in Germany that there might be an option on, on Leverkusen's part um, on it, um, which would be interesting because I think Callum would have a year left next summer. Um, so maybe Chelsea would be open to that. Or perhaps Chelsea is still looking at um, sort of maybe getting a year, another year added onto his deal or, or something like that before he goes. I mean, I say that's probably um, something that will come out in the next couple of days once things get a bit more confirmed. Um, but from my perspective, yeah, I think it's a good loan for him. Um, my, I guess my one concern is that I, you know, we've heard previously that maybe Tuchel has um, certain reservations about the Bundesliga and players performing very well in attacking teams in the Bundesliga. Maybe that's influenced by a certain striker Chelsea signed from the Bundesliga who did very well, who was then not so good um, at Chelsea. But um, But you'd hope that, you know, as I say, from my perspective, Cullen goes away, gets the year, and then ideally comes back to Chelsea next summer, completely reinvigorated, completely full of self-belief um, and really ready to, to nail down a place in uh, the Chelsea attack again. Is, is it just simply games? Is that the is that the motive here, Adam? Is it just simply that we have to get this dude a full season of playing football, injury-free, kind of you know like the Ruben experiment was? Uh, a couple of years ago at Fulham just to like build him back up because I mean it's incredibly unfortunate he's had the Achilles injury he's had other knocks along the way I think even last year he had a bit of an Achilles um, kind of flare up again like is is the goal with his new kind of body shape and what he's what he's attempting to do here just to like play injury free football this year for example yeah definitely um the injury he had last season was very strange because it started with the achilles and then for whatever reason you know either sort of a back a back issue a nerve issue he lost all power in i think it was his left leg um and he couldn't even pass the ball 10 yards um so it was a very strange injury and obviously quite a concerning one um if you're a professional footballer um so he's you know he spent the summer as you say he's, he's bulked up he's built himself up and the test now is to go out to play those 30 games to really push your body to play week in, week out, in addition to then hopefully restoring that confidence. And as I said, the Bundesliga is a good league for him, I think, um, to go and do that. Um, and where he comes back into next summer um, is just, just the debate because I think he's now 21. Um, I think people still forget that he's only 21 still. I think he does turn 22 soon, but he's still very young. There's a lot of development still within him. Um, whether or not Chelsea really, really 
genuinely want to put the work in to get that out of him is probably the debate because as we you know we talked about Gordon we've talked about other players coming in ahead of him over the years you know obviously Hakim Ziyech being signed Christian Pulisic coming in there's a lot of guys who've jumped ahead of him at Chelsea over the years so whether or not he actually does one day fulfill it all at Chelsea I'm somewhat skeptical upon but hopefully just for Callum's sake this is a loan that really sort of kickstarts things. I mean, you are correct. Uh, his contract expires uh, this summer of 2024. Uh, so really make or break. You know, they had the big contract standoff a few years ago. Ended up giving him a huge contract, uh, essentially committed to him. And it just hasn't kicked off a little bit, unfortunately. But, you know, definitely don't blame the player on that uh, holistically. The next, as we kind of talk about this, because, again, if he leaves... Zish, you know, we'll talk about later possibly leaving. There's definitely a lot of outgoings. We got to get some attackers in. Uh, a striker or someone who can just bang in the goals is at the top of Chelsea's list after the failed Romelu Lukaku experiment. We know that even teams like Bayern Munich have actually given up on trying to replace Lewandowski and are just looking at different ways to score 60 goals to replace him. Uh, Aubameyang seems to be the highest on the list. I, I Again, you could say after Leeds, He's not exactly what we need. You know, Dan is trying to push the Ivan Tony narrative. Um, what are you hearing about, a, like, striker options for for Chelsea? Or are they maybe going to try to thin it out across multiple attackers? I think it's Aubameyang, um, top of the list. Obviously, this is very much being pushed by Tuchel, who knows Aubameyang very well, having worked with him um, at Borussia Dortmund. So it's a very good effect. Um, they have a very close relationship Um I remember being at the uh, the Arsenal game in, I think it was May 21, when fans still weren't in the ground um, and Arsenal actually beat Chelsea because of that weird Jorginho Kepa incident. Um, but after that game... Um, I'd, I'd already but, forgot about that. Why did you bring it back up? <laughs> well, you know, goalkeeping errors are the theme of this week. Um, but I remember seeing... Uh, Aubameyang came out of that game and just sat in the away dugout for a good sort of 10 minutes just waiting for Tuchel to finish his post-match stuff and everything and there was a very big embrace between the two of them and uh, I think Tuchel ended it by pushing Aubameyang down back onto his seat in a friendly jokey way um, so there is a very sort of good relationship between the two so completely understand why Tuchel's keen to get him in his, his goal scoring record is is proven I guess the caveat to that is, yes, so was Romelu Lukaku's and looked how that worked out. Um, but at 33 years old, I think this is a stopgap for Chelsea. Um, it gives them maybe 18 months, two years uh, to maybe sort of develop Armando Breuer, to maybe try and find another forward to come in who's younger, has more of the profile that took all once. Um, the stumbling point is going to be the fee as it always is because Barcelona are holding out for around £25 million pounds um Chelsea don't want to pay that for a 33 year old who they signed for free in January obviously so I think Chelsea are more willing to go to 20 um in a package whether or not um Barcelona accept that is is going to be the the thing that that holds it up I mean Birmingham didn't play at the weekend um against Real Sociedad um and from what I understand they they need to pull uh well not another leather but they do need to a player because they haven't registered Jules Kunde yet. Um, friend of Chelsea, Jules Kunde. Um, so, <laughs> I my gut feeling is it there an agreement will be found on this um, because Barcelona need the money. 
and Chelsea uh, need a striker. So again, much like with Fafana, there's a lot of boxes that are ticked. It's just whether or not Todd Burley can negotiate Barcelona down from the from the fee, which I do think is somewhat ludicrous given, as I said, they got him on a free transfer about eight months ago and now they're going to flip him for about 20 million. So I think just be happy with that if you're, if you're in Barcelona state. Yeah, look, fellas, when everyone sees your accounting um, not working out for you, like you, you demanding sky high prices for players doesn't mean shit to any of these other really savvy financial guys. Like, I'm like, sorry, it just doesn't work that way, especially after the summer that we've had with you. So, uh, that's uh, interesting. I guess thinking about Aubameyang and thinking about like just how that impacts Kai Havers, because I think that's probably the most direct impact immediately. Adam, like, what are your thoughts on? how Havertz adapts after Chelsea clearly bring in someone to do the job he's supposed to be doing? That's a very good question. <laughs> and I would would love to say, well, look, Kai has started the season fantastically. He's proved himself. He's he's showing that he can be the nine. But in these opening three games, we've, we've really not seen enough from Kai. Um, yes, against Tottenham. He did the the leg work that took all likes off the ball, and you know against Leeds, you know he did do a lot of, of, of running around essentially. But we want to see that extra piece of quality from Kai, and we just haven't seen it yet. And to to come in this summer, knowing that the Kaku was going, um, knowing that there was a very good chance Timo would go, to have this opportunity to really really put your name down, to put the pin in the team, say right, I'm the number nine in this team, um, whatever that looks like in Chelsea, the number nine. And to not really, like, in, even in pre-season, I mean, when we were out in America, we were talking about Kai and, and how he hadn't really stepped up in those pre-season games. And it's kind of continued just into the season where you can see he does some really lovely things and you're like, oh, there's such a brilliant player there. You can see it. Um, but we just need, we, he needs to put it all together for, for 90 minutes, week in, week out. And until he does that, I can't can't really say that he deserves to start every week. Um and that is why Chelsea, if they do get a Bamiang, maybe there is, as you say, an impact on Kai. Maybe he gets shuffled around a bit. Um, maybe he drops into one of the 10 positions. I mean, I, I still can't see just Tuchel changing systems up any point soon. But um, if that was to happen, maybe there's a, as a, a role for him and um, in sort of a deeper area. But but yeah, I think the Bamiang does impact Havertz. But based on the start of this season, I don't think it's... Uh, it's a deal that Chelsea shouldn't do just to protect Kai, to be honest. Well, again, more attackers. Liao being brought back uh, into the mix from AC Milan. Uh, again, as we talk about trying to create chances, um, you know, provide a goal-scoring threat, if not the goals themselves. Uh, a little bit surprising. Friend of the pod, Ali, really hot and excited about this one. Feels really confident that he's one of the premium up-and-coming players in all of Europe. Ace Milan don't want to really let him go, but it sounds like he's just refusing to sign an extension. And so now Milan are really having to take that serious and look at what they're going to do with the player um, that they obviously don't want to lose on a reduced or for free uh, situation. So have you heard anything about Leao coming back into the fold uh, for Chelsea's targets? So what I know about Leao is he's actually been on Chelsea's radar uh, for a long, long time. I think even back to his sporting days. Um, so he's definitely a player the club uh, recruitment team like. Um, 
and as you say and as Ollie says you know he's an absolutely wonderful footballer um, has so much of what you want from an attacking player in the modern game one thing he doesn't really do is press which I guess is probably the the red flag if, if you're Thomas Tuchel here but he does a lot of other things that maybe Chelsea's I mean individual quality the sort of the the ingenuity that maybe some of Chelsea's attacking players don't have uh, Rafael Leal has um, I I don't think it's going to happen in the last week of the window because he will cost an absolute fortune. And from what I can gather, this is very much being encouraged by his uh, entourage um, uh, rather than Chelsea actively really, really pushing for this. Um, I think it's very much a case of, of Chelsea being told, come on, have a have another look at this guy. He's, he's, you know, and whenever it's that, I'm always like, okay, look, we know that there's contract talks with Milan. Milan want to keep him. So you've got to, you know, essentially go back through it and, and sort of see maybe where the angle is to it all. Um, but there's no doubt Rafa Liao is a, is a brilliant forward and, and I think he would improve the Chelsea attack. But given the fee that Milan would demand, uh, which I think would probably be maybe 90 to 100 million plus, um, given he would want big wages, because he's, he's in this very weird situation, Rafa Liao. He left Sporting uh, Lisbon. Um, after, I think it was like about 50 quote-unquote fans invaded the training ground. And there were a lot of players who threatened to cancel their contracts because of this, and, and not many did, but Liao actually did. And he went to Lille, and it was later decided that, well, no, that wasn't right. You you couldn't just do that. You were a breach of contract. And he's been ordered to pay back, I think it's about 70, uh, 16 and a half million euros uh, to sporting. Um so every sort of, you know, there is that to consider that he has to pay this massive chunk of, of money back to, to Sporting at some point. So a nice big contract for him would be very beneficial in, in helping him do that. Uh, or perhaps a, a future buying club would just cover that off for him. Um, so, as I say, I don't think this will happen this summer. I just don't think there's enough time Um given the complexities of it all um, and the fact that obviously Milan would quite like to keep him and, and get him tied down to a new contract. So, so yeah, yeah. I, I'm not sure this is going to be one that happens. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking at his, his FB ref and it's like the opposite of Timo Werner, basically like it, the pressures he's in the third percentile. Uh, that's not <laughs> typically <laughs> what what you'd look for, like tackles in the 15th, interceptions in the 30th, blocks in the 7th. Like, so he's, or the anti-Anthony Gordon, maybe. Um, maybe that's the better thing uh, to say here. But when it comes to like progressive carries, 88th percentile. When it comes to dribbles completed, 96th percentile. Uh, shots total in the 90th percentile. Like all of these uh, like big attacking creativity stats. He's very, you know, if not, you know, elite, like he's definitely in the upper echelon of, of all of these things. And he's only 23, which again, seems to be from a strategy perspective where Chelsea are putting all of their eggs into, you know, Obama Yang and Koulibaly, you know, outside of that, obviously, but like a lot of the young talent they're going after, um, it seems to be their their methodology, so it would be interesting if that if that comes to fruition. Another area that Tuchel refuses to focus on, but I focus on relentlessly, would be the midfield. Drive me nuts! Drive me nuts! What are we doing? Uh, ah. Nothing in the midfield, or are we, Adam? Uh, is this a smokescreen from Tuchel? Is there any update on Frankie De Jong? 
what are the the chances that Chelsea fans get what they want and we just pump in a sneaky bid for Declan Rice for bottom-sitting West Ham? Well, West Ham are trying to sign Lucas Paqueta from Lyon um, in the last days of the window. But uh, <laughs> I still think I still think Rice... Uh, to be honest, look, at the start of this window, I thought there was a possibility of it. Um, I'll be completely honest, from a couple of people I spoke to, there was a suspicion that if Chelsea went big for Rice, that maybe they could get West Ham to the table and actually go from there. But um, it doesn't seem as though Chelsea have put in that bid. I think they may have may have had a conversation or two and um, just sort of decided, okay, fine, we'll, we'll wait. We'll wait for next summer. Um, because contrary to what certain individuals on social media will try and tell you, Tuchel does actually quite like Declan Rice. Um, but on Frankie de Jong, I mean, Chelsea have sort of still the outline of a they've had an agreement or an outline of an agreement with Barcelona for, for weeks um, they felt that it's very much a deal that can be done the only issue is that Frankie de Jong doesn't want to leave Barcelona um, for probably a variety of reasons one of which is he's owed about 17 million euros so um, that's pretty much the issue and why it hasn't happened is is that de Jong hasn't want to hasn't want to make it happen um, it's it's interesting that Chelsea haven't really invested, as you know, just saying, you know, a lot of time in another midfielder um, in terms of an option. Um, obviously, Conor Gallagher's, Conor Gallagher's come into the squad, but provides a very different profile than someone like Frankie De Jong. Um, I thought, you know, Conor had a, a difficult game against Leeds, um, but you know, for him, that wasn't an easy game to be thrown into, given the rest of the team's performance after the first twenty minutes as well. So. I do hope he gets another go against Leicester, to be honest. Um, but beyond that, it is it does look a bit threadbare. And I did find Tuchel's stance at the weekend a bit baffling, just because of how how look, you take what you do take what head coaches say with a certain amount of you know, pinch of salt. But his sort of he was incredulous that someone had asked him that you might want another midfielder, Tom. Like he was he was stunned by the suggestion. Um, so he is a very good actor. Or he is is uh, is genuinely content with what he's got because obviously you do have Kovacic, you do have Jorginho, you do have Gallagher, Loftus Cheek, um, and maybe that. That's right, wing back Loftus right Cheek to you, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> maybe. <laughs> well, maybe Tuchel thinks that's enough for now. Um, but unless something dramatically shifts on Young or Chelsea suddenly decide to which isn't out of the question this summer, given how chaotic it's been to just suddenly decide, actually, no, we quite like this guy, let's go and get him. Um, I think it may be one that that they sort of push down the road again, which I'm not sure is necessarily the right strategy. But if you are trying to get that big, big ticket of Declan Rice next summer, maybe you do have to just swallow it for another season. Look, Nick, that's a lot. I, I, I... We, we've got a lot going on. Like there are six days, seven days left to this window. We just covered on like 10 different things, like significant things. It, we're lucky that you and I just pop in a couple times a week. Adam's in this every day. <laughs> he wakes up <laughs> and his lead has been completely burned and he's got a new name on his, on his roster. So, uh, you know, he's out there doing the good work for us. This is crazy. Uh, I mean, it's absolutely bananas. Um, why, why you wouldn't want to leave Barcelona at this point is baffling to me. But you know, teach their own. Uh, better, better to know that now than to not, uh, for sure. So, 
Um, yeah, Adam, obviously, thank you for, for diving deep with us on all this stuff. I mean, where does your gut lead you through, through the end of the window? What business gets done? What business doesn't quite get over the line? Seven days left. Oof. Um, my gut says that Fafana or Bamiyang come. Mm, and then beyond that, you've got a lot of players probably getting out. Um, players like Marcus Alonso, who's still just sort of sitting by the phone, waiting for Barcelona to call him and say, yeah, cool, we've sorted it, come over. Um, we've obviously got Billy Gilmore, who's still around. Um, and from what I understand on that, he, he does have loan offers on the table at home and abroad. Um, and it's about him taking the right one. Um, Ethan Ampadu is similar position. Um, Hakim Ziyech and Ajax is an interesting one. Um, from what I was told, that sort of stepped up last week and is somewhat predicated on Anthony going to Manchester United, though. Um, and then you've got all the others, the sort of forgotten men, your, your Ross Barclays, your Kennedys, your Michi Batuais, your Bubba Rahmans. There's a lot of them around. Um who will be trying to get moves because, you know, fundamentally Chelsea are willing to let them all go if, if <laughs> any sort of bid comes in, I think, at this point. So it's going to be an incredibly busy last week of this window, um, as it has been for most of the summer. And it's just a case of sort of trying to sort of see the wood from the trees a lot of the time. Um, I do wake up every morning and look at my phone and have, about 20 to 30 messages and it's you know some of them from friends who are Chelsea fans who are also trying to find out things that I know but it's also <laughs> there's also people when you just have to start okay take a deep breath go through these and then yeah work your way from there throughout the day but um but as I'm sure as Matt would say as Naz has said this has been an even for Chelsea this has been a a pretty wild summer um and to try and and to be honest, to try and keep a, a sort of a handle on every single piece of business, I just think it has been impossible for, for anyone. Well, as always, follow Adam Newson on Twitter at Adam Newson. N at the end, not an M as in Mary, N as in Nancy. Uh, and uh, football.london, a lot of stuff on the website there. Uh, Adam, I mean, is a content machine, so uh, he will keep you apprised of everything. Uh, enjoy the match this, this weekend, Adam. Obviously, we'll get all the content coming out of that. Uh, hopefully, it's a much more positive one for us. But that's going to wrap it up. We appreciate every, everything you do for us. We have more content coming at you yet this week, Chelsea fans. Lester at the weekend. <sighs> we need to bounce back. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do. Keep the blue flag flying high.